is Amanda. And this is Chris. And this is Vocal Perspective. Have you heard Alexandria Cortez? Have oh, you the heard Insta her store account? Live? Oh, yeah. Where she's behind the door and they are literally, they have shoved that they're like, where are mm-hmm. you? They're like three inches wood door away from her. I tell everybody, if they'd gotten their hands on her, they wouldn't have even hesitated to break mm-hmm. her in half. But I think they might have paused with Pence. Yeah, that I don't know. Trump did a pretty good job. Well, because I think Pence has the secret service. You know what I mean? He can pull out the guns. Like, he has the secret service. Whereas, I mean, not all of them did, but. Well, some, not all of them, but. Anyway, we man, we (laughs) have gone down a great. Uh, Oh, is this going to be part of the show? (laughs) I have decided that I wanted to have a new podcast just called Perspectives, (laughs) where we all need to come and get some. Yes, exactly. We just need to, like, we just need to get some. I know. That's our slogan. Done. What a great slogan it would be. Y'all, we all just need to get some. Do we though? Sold. (laughs) Catchphrase done. So Stephanie, I record in my closet because it's the quietest it looks great. Place in my house. Thanks. So I have like all my stuff. I hide all my everything that I put like all my costumes that Amanda has back here so we I can just match. For anyone who um, has not but... had the opportunity to see this closet, let me be the first to say that it is truly a work of art. It is floor to ceiling. crown. Uh, wall to wall mirrors. Very like Sarah Jessica Parker, SJP, Sex in the City vibe. Oh, don't tell my secrets, Stephanie. Oh my gosh. People are going to bust into my house now. It's going to be cribs really. It's really a thank you for we're bring that show back yes, too. Absolutely. So anyway, I'm sitting in it's my huge. little closet with my piece of IKEA furniture that I got for free that so barely holds nice. itself together. But the exciting upgrade today was a portable electric heater. Oh. Because my closet is not mm-hmm. insulated, mm-hmm. nor does it have any heat or electricity. So I had to run the cord from underneath the door. But I turned it on for an hour and a half and it now feels like Aww. the rest of the house. Love it feels that. like the rest of the house. I love so. that journey for you. Today's you know closet. What? Let me just upgrade. say though, this is is a big lesson that Rob taught me. I grew up not fixing my own problems because it was like a badge of honor that you kind of like suffered in silence, <laughs> right? And when I met Rob, he always fixed his problems. And at first I was like, oh, you like think you're so important that your problems like deserve to be fixed? <laughs> I thought we were right, supposed to just right. carry problems. I, like- I was like... No, I mean, he does in the way that we all should think that we ourselves as individuals are important just as much as we think everybody else who's not ourselves are important. And if there's a problem for yourself that you can solve, you should solve it. Like you should solve your problem. And he, like that's like a huge lesson that he taught me in our relationship. And it's one of the many, many reasons why I love him and married him is that he... Amanda, this might be the absolute most perfect transition into an introduction that I have ever heard. Because Stephanie, we've not. never met. You're a legend, <laughs> FYI. So is Rob, obviously, but you're a legend in your own right. And we've never met. But what I do know about you is that you really don't think that you are nearly as important as Rob. I mean, I'm and we beg not. to differ. I feel like I'm definitely so. Here at Vocal Perspective, we beg to differ. We want to hear, and I think if I've learned anything in the last 11 minutes, is that I can't wait to hear more of the vocal perspective of Miss mm. Stephanie Dietz. Stephanie Welcome Dietz, to the show, Nate Stephanie. Fisher. How are you? I'm doing, or is it nay or is it knee? I honestly don't know. I don't it's know. all French. It's very new. <laughs> Maiden name Fisher, present name I should have put that on there because it, but it's not on your Zoom. No, so I'm blaming full, Zoom for me I'm calling you Stephanie Dietz. Dietz. Full beats to the wall. I don't really know, but I went from one German Jewish last name to another German Jewish last name. And maybe the legend is that Rob and I are from the same shuttle in Germany. Is 
is that possible? <laughs> Probably. We're still not clear about it, and I we think need to figure that to out. Stop. Avoid yeah, those DNA would, tests. Avoid the twenty-three and me. Like, no, we need to do them. <laughs> <laughs> I ordered them from my family, and the very first thing I did was to see mm, if my parents mm-hmm. were related because they're both very right. deep German heritage. So I was like, so you know, here we go, You're and good. Okay. we're good. It was a relief. Was a relief. Look alike. Like we don't not look alike. Those Hanukkah sweater cards are gonna be pretty matchy so maybe too much we'll see I don't know but I'm good I'm you know I'm hanging in there as everyone is saying surviving and thriving work has been great being married to Rob has been amazing no complaints 10 out of 10 would stay married to him so well, that's good is this the most that you've seen Rob since I mean, you guys have been together like this court yeah, this I mean, pandemic we've literally been non-stop I mean we got married in November of 2019 somehow time-wise it worked out somehow got welcome to your first year of marriage like yeah this is definitely how life is all the time exactly and I guess I'm curious what's really, really amazing about it and I've talked about it with work a ton like the way we've been approaching I work in the tv industry for those of you who don't know I'm a development executive on the tv side and it's literally a dream job it's so much fun everyone should do it don't it's actually no don't like don't do or it or then no, no, no you wouldn't on, have a job yeah, so I don't know if we should that's much more fun so we talk with work and talk about you know with Rob Chu is like how do we recontextualize this time like that was a big conversation I had with kind of everyone immediately around me is it's like this sucks like there's no way around it this is horrible it's devastating for those of us who are lucky enough and fortunate enough to not have this be such a devastatingly challenging time that it's impossible to maneuver through and my heart really does go out to we've been Rob and I've been very fortunate in this time we feel so so grateful is how do you recontextualize this time in yourself in the way that you look at the world and the way that you approach your art and the way you approach your relationships and your family and your time right it all takes on such different meanings and value than it did preceding this moment in history and something with me and Rob is like we'll never have this time the way we do now like the nature of my job is you know I go to work in an office and I'm there normal days eight hours nine ten eleven sometimes more than 12 especially if we're on set my job is soon fingers crossed hopefully going to take me international and I'll be on set around the world shooting shows and we won't be able to have this time back and so we've really been just enjoying honest every single second my Minus the freaking 20 minutes. I'm sorry, Rob. 20 minutes a day when he does his vocal warm-ups. I swear to God. Every <laughs> single day. This is important information. who don't do it, I guess you should do it. Because his voice is getting better, right? Like, and I already thought he sounded like a Disney prince. But like, rain or shine, in the car, traveling somewhere or not. Look at you being his affirmation to the world that Rob Dietz does. You know. We're rehearsing more and saying 20 minutes a day. Because, you know, I used to sing. I used to have five, six, seven rehearsals a week plus shows. And now in a year, I maybe have sung a dozen times. And when I do, I'm like, ooh, I can't hit that note right now. I'm like, ooh, that doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like it used to feel. So, you know, maybe I should take some lessons from Rob. Not that I haven't already taken like a million. but (laughs) In one way or another, who hasn't learned a lesson from Rob, right? (laughs) Like for better or for worse, we've all learned a lesson from Rob. And And reflecting back, my husband and I, we moved in together very quickly in our relationship. It was about six months into our relationship we moved in together and we were, from that point on, we never lived apart. And I remember thinking, wow, these first few times living together, like these years, or even just the, the marriage years were totally mm-hmm. different than Everyone the living together it years. Wasn't going to be. So Everyone these first, was like, it's the same. I know, and I'm like, they lie. It changed everything. 
they lied. So hear it now. It's different. The minute the ring goes on and the, the word marriage is there, I feel similarly with my two young children having these years of seven to mm-hmm. nine, which I will never yes. have this time yeah. again. And they will never like me do. or admire me as much <laughs> right. as they do right now. And so I get to spend a lot of time with them right now. I keep thinking about the times that I'll be sitting at home being worried sick, wishing they were there. I can come back to this time and say, well, I got almost a whole two That's like years. the perfect age, too, <laughs> because they are their own people. Like their own little brains are discovering the world in a really like interesting and cool way. And they're not like obsessed with friends yet in the way that you are even like in a year. Same right? as marriage, exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> we really like each other right now and we want to spend right. all of our time together. Oh my gosh, the universe yeah, says you're reading like, all the same this books. This is great. Oh, the books are the best. The books of that age. And then you guys are going to get to the seven year mark and you're going to be like international from each other. It's going to be <laughs> very, glorious. You don't I'm even understand. Excited. She doesn't see I it mean, yet, does she, Amanda? Charlie, we're at five and a half year. We celebrated our five year anniversary in lockdown. Mazel, no. mazel. I don't I don't need what year okay yeah five years so we're like all right you work downstairs Ethan will work upstairs I'll work on the second floor you're talking too loud I have to record for a living shush your mouth on your meetings <laughs> that's where we are right now mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I mean we celebrated 11 Ooh, I am the true baby of the group here <laughs> and but I can just remember that back in year one year two I think I would have just thought this quarantine thing because we had a blizzard right around that time and I remember thinking I couldn't want to be right. I just don't want to be anywhere else. So I I mean, the money thing and the stress with the jobs, I'm sure at that point, but we are same as Mm -hmm. you. We're very blessed. We're able to make this comfortably and help others the best we can. But I know that this is not the case. And I was saying this to another guest. I think TV industry, acapella music, I think we're benefiting in many ways from this kind of shakeup because we were already needing a little shake up anyway. We had gone so digital and so social media focused. And even in acapella, we, all of a sudden, people started coming out with these videos and this digital media footprint became something that we all had to be aware of versus just getting out there mm-hmm. and getting tickets sold or getting people to just watch your movie. You know, now people are like getting their news. Uh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this way, you know. And so I think we've had a little shake up with COVID and allowed us to really figure out how to people need us to connect. And the minute that we are allowed to go back into the world, those venues are going to fill right back up. People are going to be wanting to see movies. People are going to be wanting to see stage shows and hear live music. But we as performers might be armed with a lot better tools to reach them in ways that they never thought possible. What are you seeing? You were talking about how you work in TV and you're also watching Rob and his side of the acapella. And let's not downplay your experience in acapella. Amanda was telling me a little bit. Amanda, will you explain a little bit about Stephanie and all the cool things she's gotten to witness so far in this short time. She's, I mean, I feel like she's seen uh, the world. We call of it the multiverse. Yes, the multiverse. And when I say we, I okay. mean myself. <laughs> okay. So, so going back, like I've known Rob for a really long time, and I, you know, Rob has always stood out as like extremely talented, extremely driven. I mean, if you haven't listened to Rob's work, please do. But this interview is about you, Stephanie. So I'm, I'm bringing, I'm bringing it all full circle. Um, yes, this is where I want to see like where is you came into his yeah. life. 
it was like something, I don't want to say changed, but like deepened. There was more motivation and there was a different perspective. And I know he was getting that from you. And just a little side note before we get into that is I have never seen him so happy. I was sitting at NAC, the National Acapella Convention, and he was getting ready to propose to you. And we were sitting next to each other judging. And he goes, Amanda, can I see your ring? I just want to see what it kind of looks like. And I just remember being so happy. I was like, yes, because even though I'd only spent like a little bit of time with you, I had seen just how you had brought something to his life that was special. So that was like super exciting. And then when he finally did it. We're kind of hoping we can figure out what the secret sauce is that is Stephanie. that's so sweet. Yeah, I mean, that's really so nice to say. He is truly a phenomenal musician and artist. And it's just been really amazing having met each other at the point of our lives that we did because we'd actually had like a few almost run-ins. So I've always been a very musical person. And when, thank you both, by the way, so much for inviting me to the show. Um, I'm so happy to be here. And when Amanda had first brought it up to me, I was like, I don't really see myself as part of the acapella community. And then no joke, three or four different people in the span of like 72 hours were all like, apropos of nothing, we're like, oh yeah, so Stephanie, who is a member of the acapella community. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> it's like a sign. The universe the was universe like, was the, like the sorry, Stephanie. Was like, we are, sorry. We are you in. And so I will say I got my start or rather lack thereof when I, I went to Tufts University okay. with Alex Green, who did not let me into the mates. <gasps> this is, you know what? Maybe it's fortunate. I truly don't know. Probably not because the mates are great and <laughs> Alex is delightful. But we had this like moment of realization that I must have auditioned for him my freshman year of college um, because we overlapped in time. But he does not have any record of me in his in his like very famous notebook of everyone sure. he's ever seen. Of course he has a very famous notebook. <laughs> and he whipped it out. We were in Miami. We were at the Betsy and we had this realization. He like whips out his notebook. It was very exciting. I was like, oh my God, what did he have to say? There's just nothing there. So you know what? My audition, I think, lives on in the memory of others, probably as it should be. And that's where it'll remain. But Rob and I had actually overlapped location-wise a couple of times in Boston. We kind of lived in the same neighborhood as each other like when I say same neighborhood I mean like two blocks away and then when we both kind of came out to LA for the first time we actually lived across the street from each other at the same time and I don't know we were just like ships in the night just like never truly crossed paths this poor universe was like we are having a really you know what difficult we time ready. with these people this we is like a movie yet. and that's like what I really do you weren't ready like we weren't quite ready to meet each other and then we did I agree. when we were living across the street from each other again in Hollywood we met on a date app and I took one look at his picture and I was like oh he's the man I'm going to marry like I, I turned Aww. to my friend and I knew and he obviously did not feel the same way because he forgot that he had that app not obviously about me he had like forgotten that he had the app at all and was like shocked when he got like a notification that he like had new matches he's gonna hear this oh. and be like oh, oh no in his vows no. he was like you took one look at me and knew we were gonna get married and I had forgotten that <laughs> I even had the app on my phone to begin with no he like proud of it don't worry about it but yeah I had just kind of like always known and I'd always like loved music and been like really interested in music acapella a little less so <laughs> I mean you and now know. look at your life and now look at my life you see enough bad college acapella and you're just like just pick up an instrument just like what are you waiting for see that's why that's why we brought you in oh, because yes. we get so wrapped up in our little world that like we forget what the rest of the world thinks and not that you know you should guide your life by what the rest of the world thinks but sometimes the opinion could help yeah like Amanda brought me in and I'm like I don't even know anybody is that you've mentioned <laughs> yet today except for I do know Tufts but that's it like up. I don't I'll know anything else like I'm like I don't know I know right 
right? So I'm a baby acapella person because my world is barbershop. Mm. So I live in this mm. other weird world where I'm like, what do you mean you don't know right. what blah, blah, exactly. blah, 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 That's why I call it the multiverse. Stop judging people that are wearing socks it's with just sandals. How, it's it's how just how a roll. thing. And that's why I call it the, the multiverse. Is there, it is so layered. It is so nuanced. And there are so many people who love it and care about it. And it is really important. And it can be so, it's so easy for the world to kind of be like shielded off from this thing that is so often, especially in like in my industry, right? It's kind of like portrayed as a bit of a joke, right? Or portrayed as like for a laugh or for humor or the, and it's like, it's so it's irritating to campy me. And <laughs> right. But how often it is that it's usually the character who cares the most about it, who's like made the most fun of. And Rob is that person but unabashedly like he loves acapella music like he loves the more you get made fun of you almost translate that right. into compliments right. you know what I mean I've always said that people who make fun of things it's exactly. like the highest form of flattery other people say you know imitation and I think when people imitate acapella or anything it's to me it it's is very flattering because oh you can't uh, do it either like, yeah you see how freaking mm, you know, hard like, it is like, it's not easy yeah and I think yeah. meeting Rob and like learning about acapella through his eyes like through baby's eyes it's been incredible it's like it definitely transformed the way that I not only think about music but the way that I kind of like approach my life it's so nice to hear how much it sounds like I've inspired Rob in terms of his music and I'd say that he has done so equally if not more for me in terms of the art that I create you know in my line of work it's just it's awesome yeah well, let's talk about that let's talk about what you do in your line of work and just some things that maybe you'd like to share your perspective on of what's going on in your industry and maybe what we could take away and learn in our and Totally. I mean, yes. I guess I'll just kind of start it off by giving just a little bit more clarity of what I do. And then if it comes back, we have like a language to talk about. So basically what I do is I work for like a small, what's called a production company. And basically we work directly with writers or creators to help make their show or now we're kind of venturing more into film happen. And the way that I like to talk about it a lot that Rob and I talk a ton about in terms of our individual arts is this idea of what we talked about earlier, which is contextualism or recontextualization and it's basically what my line of work does is takes the artists or the writers work whether it's their pitch whether it's their script kind of whatever what have you and help contextualize it for what are called the buyers so like the Netflix Hulu Amazon Apple of the world to show them what about the story is so great why it's so great and like why it should be a TV show and then always they're like yes we agree. We're going to give you a lot of money and make a show and you're going to win a million Emmys. And and you're telling them, well, I have to choose which one of right, my exactly. shows I want to like do. Like, I don't have time for all these shows. I have, like, I have like Netflix yeah. just nonstop calling me being like, how can we make more shows That's why together? you silenced exactly. your phone. Ted Sarandos is just like hitting me. It's like kind of exhausting, honestly. I wish he would just like lose my number. Like he and Elon Musk just need to go like figure themselves out and Jeff Bezos, they all need to go figure out what they want to do and then come back to me with an offer. Offer. We'll Please. see. We'll talk about it. But that, you know, I can't. I can't speak we'll too talk. much about my that. people. So we should. We should. I know. That's We've what already saying. dropped like, too many names. It's this idea of, of recontextualization, right? And then once the show does get put into what's called development, so it's like we're writing the pilot together, which is the first episode of a script, or writing part of the series. Like right now, we have a league of their own that we're doing as an adaptation of the original film with Amazon. That so my boss, his name is Will Graham, and he's writing it with Abby Jacobson, and she's also starring. So cool. I've yeah, heard that. 
there you go. I'm really excited. So my company yeah. is in the process of writing all the scripts for that. And we're supposed to start shooting in May. And baseball is already a socially distant sport. So we'll see what happens. All that is to say, throughout the whole process, one of the primary jobs of my company, myself and my colleague, is always keeping an eye on the DNA of the project. Because you once you go into development, once you go into production, right, you have all of these different people who are giving you notes, who are giving you thoughts, ideas, whether it's from a creative standpoint, a budget standpoint, trying to support the needs of the network, right? So if Amazon's like, yeah. well, we need to attract X, Y, and Z demographic, then can you do A, B, and C in order to fulfill that? Whatever the case may be, that's not quite how it works. But it's our job mm-hmm. to be like, we see all of these things and we value all of these things. And here is how we can fold them into the show or the product without distilling the vision or the heart of the show. That was the main thing I was taking away from what you were saying. And I was seeing how any performance, anything that's taking a story, which we just talked about in our last podcast, is how do we take a story and translate that without being too kind of like knocking you in the head, literal about it, but also one. Once you put your product out there and you've come up with your songs and your idea and your package and you're feeling really good about it and then people come in, this is where rewrites or anything like this happens, people come in and they mean well and they're going to make you better, but you got to make sure you still have mm-hmm. that root of what it was because I have been there where you've started a project and all of a sudden you start changing it and you're like, I don't even remember right. what the original project was. Like, I don't even remember what the original picture was. And I think that's what we'll get sometimes to the end result in acapella and we'll be like, oh, wow, it was really good like mm-hmm. 17 steps ago, but I don't yeah, remember. It becomes like a Frankenstein. So I appreciate that it's not just our anything, industry. Cre- anything creative across the board, it's like because everything that you do in terms of... So everything that we're doing is creating a product, right? And there's always a process that involves more unless you're like a one-stop shop. I don't know. I don't want to like surmise, but like I guess like Jacob Collier may be an example of someone just from my very, very broad understanding of kind of the way that he operates does hold more of the keys to the doors in terms of the way that he's producing his music, right? He's creating it. He's writing it. It takes takes a while to get there. there. But even so, even he, he collaborates with other people. I don't know if he like, I don't think he like mixes his own stuff. Like there are other, even with that, when you are kind of driving the train in terms of your creative vision all the way through, there are still other voices to contend, especially if you're like signing with an album or or a label, you know, or you have like a record, whatever the case may be, you're always answering to someone else. And I think bringing it back to like the COVID of it all, and I think that was like such a valuable question that you were asking of how has COVID changed the way that we not only perceive art, but kind of put our art out there is that like with COVID, we're no longer having to answer to those larger, broader networks, right? Whether it's in my, well, you're yeah, skipping a exactly. middleman sometimes in some little way, you know, because the people are getting a exactly. little more control, which mm-hmm. is scary in itself, but it's exactly. also it art. That's what the original idea yeah. of art was correct and I think what you said was we're mm-hmm. all making a product and in the end that product can't change too much or it's no longer that product anymore it's now it's no longer coke right. it's pepsi and they're two different products you have to keep it yeah the one coke because I won't drink the, the it the one if metaphor it's pepsi, that we like to know? use with our writers is it's and I, and I think it applies here too it's is it's almost like your project whether it's you know a song or a tv show or whatever you're putting out into the world right it's a baby and you're basically running through a burn <laughs> forest holding the baby and there are all of these forces yes. that are trying to get you to drop the baby right or burn the baby a little bit be willing yeah, to oh we'll just burn it a little bit no you can't burn the baby a little bit a little bit here and there right <laughs> i don't know maybe 
the clothes, right. only the clothing. Warm. But right, but you can't drop flush the baby, right? Because if you're dropping the baby, then you've, you've, you've dropped your North Star, right? And that's another way that we kind of think about it. And that's something that we do very often as we're starting the process of developing a script is it's like figuring out what is the North Star? What is it that we're trying to achieve with that? In the moment that it's like, we're trying to, I've tried this and it, always fails when you're like I want to do this because I think it's going to sell to this network I want to do this because I think it's going to win this award or do well at this competition it never does and like here's why it's because even if it does do well right is that what your heart wanted to do is that what your art was meant to be no like I don't think that is really for any of back us, to the baby analogy, to, right. my husband and I didn't look at each other and say, I'm going to have a doctor mm-hmm. today. You know, we didn't look at each other and say, this baby's going to make a bunch of money or this baby's going to develop a vaccine right. that saves the world. We had a product that we made and we were proud of and we are proud of. You just mm-hmm. got to take that product and make it the best that it can be and not try to shape it into that right. Netflix because again, size box or maybe, the Hulu size box. It, maybe it will go to Netflix. Maybe it will go to Hulu. But if you're trying to engineer it in order to achieve this thing, you're going to be wasting Bigger chance it won't, so right? much of your time on a project that you don't love. And like if we learned anything in COVID, it's like life is freaking too short. Like why are we spending our time doing oh my gosh, something I've that we don't? so much out of my life. I'm like, nope, don't need it. Nope. Why yeah. was I doing that? Why? Nope. Oh yeah. I feel the exact same way. And I'm even still reval. I'm still doing it. Like right now, I'm like, oh gosh, I'm like already looking at what's what's life going to look like when COVID is le- re- like when we're releasing and we're starting to do more. I'm like, oh, I got to reevaluate if I want to get, I'm not used to doing that on a Tuesday. <laughs> I participated in a television industry show virtually. Stephanie, I got to be in an audience participant. So I was with Dr. Phil. You guys can't it was see amazing. my face, but uh, it just lit up in glee. He also asked me a question and love. said my name. Dang. He <gasps> said, Christina. Who, I was me? like, I am Christina. So I asked him a question. It was great. And it's on TV. And I like videotaped it with my phone and I sent it to all my friends. It was great. But anyway, what I appreciated was for an example, for a show like Dr. Phil, those people were far more likely to talk and be very open with him when there wasn't 7,000 people sitting in a room clapping, laughing, sighing. So there's some things that we just don't need an audience mm-hmm. for. You know, when somebody's life's falling apart, they just don't need somebody Maybe being they like... Maybe don't need to be on TV. Yeah. You know? That's so true. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's also true, right? But I also saw Dr. Phil actually working really hard and I felt like he was like... I was like, wow, I'm watching him. He's doctoring it. He wasn't reacting mm-hmm. to anybody. He was just there like in the zone, so... right? And Rob and I were just talking about this the other day. We are like talking about doing some work on our place in LA and we met with a flooring person and he was just loving talking about floors and I loved to listen there's something just so fun and magical about watching someone do or talk about something that they just love or are so good at doing and that's like oh, one of the things I love about multicam and we've taken right? the distraction mm-hmm. out in some ways by getting some of these performers that didn't right. need to be performers they were teachers. Mm-hmm. They're they're helpers. They're using television as a way to help more people because a lot of people aren't going to get to get in front of Dr. Phil, right? But I just think it's kind of an interesting perspective that I'm excited to see industry growing even in a time of like severe yeah, totally. slowdown. Yeah. I've gotten caught up in it. I know, you know, Rob, though, to a lesser extent, because is he more go 
with the flow than I am in some ways we balance each other out but for me I'm always trying to be prepared I'm always trying to look ahead and kind of figure out what the next step is so I can be five steps ahead of that and do you know your Myers-Briggs letters are you a J and is he a P I don't know I know my love language is like gifts like I know that I don't need a test to tell me that I like I'm a material (laughs) Myers-Briggs is more like I know I know I barely got through the love languages and like sounds like you're a good solid J Stephanie so Um, keep going oh is it so (laughs) easy to like get wrapped up in like what is this gonna look like just physically like what is this time gonna be will there be shows will there not be shows are people gonna be so hygienically conscious now that they're not going to want to pack into massive theaters you know are people we don't know what the social and mental and cognitive ramifications of this time are going to be especially as it relates to different demographics we are entering a period of our version of the roaring 20s like literally what is that gonna look like our children like what are what's it gonna look like you know our children but I think that the one thing that we can think about is how do you want to feel right coming out of this time and that's something we're talking about a lot in terms of tv right we can't kind of predict how we're gonna do it or what it's gonna look like we do know how we ourselves want to feel and how we're gonna want to feel and we're gonna like want to feel love and we're gonna want to feel like we're part of a community and we're gonna want to feel joy and connected Connected and and relevant on a superficial level almost like it's been kind of funny to watch the progression of what shows everyone is watching on the streaming services it's like we started with Tiger King and it was kind of like what was that stage of quarantine and now everyone's like Bridgerton and escape (laughs) escapism that's what that level of quarantine was something had to be worse than what we had yeah I think so but just watching like the collective oh we have to watch this we have to talk about that and like what's catching people's eye has changed since absolutely well I think I think to tie it it has been really interesting and especially interesting as you know a TV executive it's always so fascinating kind of watching the trends and and trying and and parsing through kind of why it is and 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 timing really does matter I think for Tiger King that was sort of it was this bombastic like out of this world like you're saying escapist thing that made us feel like a community it made it brought back that peak Game of Thrones TV because we We all all felt felt the same same about it it. became the water cooler when there is no water cooler right to rally around it brought back the joys of watching Game of Thrones week to week and if you didn't watch that show you couldn't enter the office because everybody was talking about it and that's how it was with Tiger King and I think something we're talking a lot about also is like Queen's Gambit for instance like Queen's Gambit should not have been a success. Queen's Gambit has the potential to change the course of television over the next five to seven years. First of all, the book is I like haven't a even million, seen it, oh, which is watch hilarious. It. Definitely watch it, yeah. The book is like a million yeah. bajillion years old. It's been in development for like a decade. Everyone has turned the writer down, being like, who wants to watch a show about a girl in the 80s playing chess my daughter that's who this child all she wants to do is ask about chess I don't know where she's but even so it's like who wants to write your daughter great taste everyone should watch everything your daughter is watching but But not not me right your daughter may (laughs) not have her own Netflix account she is not a a a paying subscriber of Netflix I thought Queen's Gambit was going to go in some very typical places that shows go when there's a woman in power and what do we do with women in power we do some things that are plot driven and not character driven they didn't do it and I was really thrilled when we're all like looking
looking for a hero. We're all looking to be transported, like you're saying, that wish fulfillment into another time. When you're watching a show or a movie take place in the 60s, you're not thinking to yourself, oh shoot, they should be wearing a mask, right? When you're watching, or if like you're watching a show, Gilmore Girls, because like literally who's not watching Gilmore Girls for the 10th millionth time during this pandemic? And they'll walk into a room and I'll be like, oh my God, Lorelai's not wearing a mask. And I'm like, oh wait, this is a, from 10 years ago, 12 years ago, whatever it is. Like it's not a current I'm currently show. watching Saved you're by the Bell. Wait, currently why, watching are you, why are you putting your hand over your mouth like that? There is is no, that a guilty pleasure? No. Let me just tell you, I am not wanting to see Zach Morris in a mask at all. That's so fine. I think we're but just let fine. me just say, because I think this is important. The Ooh. term guilty pleasure is a tool of the patriarchy. Yeah. Like we are on like vocal perspective. That is true. I really should remind myself of that. I actually thought about this the second like, time I thought like, about this like today. You... But it, literally the tool of the patriarchy is to is to literally put down things that women like as less than. Yeah. To make, to make you feel guilty about something that you exactly. that shouldn't make you feel guilty because it makes you feel good and it's nice. Versus marching in movements. You're wasting all this time feeling guilty about the show that you're watching and you're not like unionizing. It is a tool. I love it. So like things like guilty pleasures or like trash tea. Yeah. I'm watching Saved by the Bell it's right now, ladies show. and gentlemen, and you I am proud. Saved by the Bell. It's a great show. I hear that the reboot is also very good. It's on Peacock, which literally nobody is watching. And it's it free. free. This is not the Peacock podcast. It is acapella podcast. Thank you for that. You're right, Stephanie. And that could translate into music as well, because I think some of us will find, you know, we'll say the old timey songs. And I think to myself, they don't mm-hmm. have to be old timey. They could be today timey if it's what makes you happy singing your style. And I think that's important to remind you don't always have to be singing the newest or doing the newest, latest, greatest thing. It could be that if what you are passionate about is music from the 60s and the 70s and you even like it in that style, cool. do that really well. Because there's a lot of other people out there that are looking this is to why enjoy I just like competitions, you. and I That's... just think that they should be abolished. Like abolish competitions, personally. Festivals, completely agree. Camps. It's like if you, like, <laughs> you should only do things. Not to like overquote Marie Kondo, because she's not the first person who said it. Like just do things that bring you joy, rather than like do things that give you crumbs from the table of joy. You know what I mean? Why, when you're trying to create art to serve a purpose other than the joy of creating art, and that joy can mean many things. And that's the same with TV too, right? We have shows in many different genres like we consider ourselves genre agnostic or promiscuous depending on the age of the person that I'm talking to across like all plot comedies dramas movies like comp style comedy dark comedy right but in everything that we do there's still a level of joy just because we get to do it and so I think it's the same thing that that is in acapella is like man those songs that like make you feel down for the sake of like making you feel down if you want me to feel down about something give me your what's your reason are what's you the question that you're asking some, something or are you just making everybody sad for no reason right or is it that middle song in the competition yep you gotta go hands? fast slow fast right but it's like with the hands all in the I mean, middle and the hands out of the middle and then the turns of the backs and the big circles circles yes, and concentric circles, circles too don't forget yes, about that circles and butts circles and butts, circles and butts. Why? I, I have a huge campaign against circles and butts that got interrupted by the season getting canceled last year. But I've had like, I've been saying that for like three years. I'm like, stop it. If you're not doing for a reason, stop it. Yeah. Unless you're singing the song Circles or a song about <laughs> butts. I don't want to see But I would want to see both of those songs. And I can't. In a set. That no. would be great. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe turn, turn, turn. Uh, like, I, yes, like, someone should do that. I mean, that's the only time you're allowed to keep doing skin-centric mm-hmm. circles for the entire song, and I want to see you not throw up. <laughs> <sighs> 
So, Stephanie, for someone who thought, like, maybe, like, I had nothing to talk about. We had plenty to talk about today. It has been such a pleasure to to hear your perspective, because I think so much of what you do ties into this world that you kind of got sucked into. And I think it's really valuable for everyone to have heard what you had to say. Oh, I hope so. That's Agreed. Good. Me too. Like, comment, subscribe. You're fascinating, You're Stephanie. fascinating. Thanks for bringing <laughs> all of this joy to me on this otherwise very unremarkable pandemic day. It, it has made it remarkable. See you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday.